Welcome to the Relaxed Dog Podcast. The podcast where the dogs are the stars of the show. Welcome to episode 67 of the Relaxed Dog Podcast, sponsored by therelaxeddog.com. Thank you very much for finding this show. I am your host, Robert Ober, and I hope that you and your dog are well. My guest this week is Rachel Spencer. But first, in some doggy news, we go to Singapore and a post that has been getting a little bit of uh, attention is a gentleman pulling up in a public car park taking out his German Shepherd and then shedding him, um, leaving a lot of fur around and then leaving. And uh, that's not good to do really anywhere. So I guess just be careful of what your dog is leaving around, be conscious of it, and inevitably someone's going to film it and put it on social media. So keep that in the back of your mind. Now we go over to Alabama in the USA where Ludovine, I hope I've said that correctly, a two and a half year old bloodhound was let out to go to the toilet. Um, Not far away were a whole lot of people getting ready for the Ekmont trackless half marathon. Um... Ludovine went over investigated and when all the runners took off, so did she um, and kept going and kept going. Um, she kept up with the lead runners. Uh, there were a few remarks saying that she'd stop off and have a play in a, a little river or something like that and I think she chased some cows. But uh, she, they, runners kept looking around and they, she was still there. Um, she eventually finished the half marathon in seventh place. So well done, Ludovine. And, um, yeah, some laid back, uh, dog people and guardians in that area. Now, just before we get into this week's feature interview, don't forget to hit that subscribe button and also be great if you could hit that share button so that more people understand how awesome dogs are. Anyway, here's this week's interview. Welcome to the Relaxed Dog Podcast. I am here with Rachel Spencer. How are you this morning? I'm really good, thanks. How are you? I am fantastic. Thank you very much. Do you want to let People know whereabouts in the world you are. I will do, yes. Um, And thank you so much for having me on the show as well, Robert. It's brilliant to be here. So I am in Newcastle in the UK. Um, So Newcastle is a uh, city in the northeast of England and it's really dog friendly. And I'm here chatting to you um, from one of the children, my partner's children's bedrooms, um, with Patch in the corner. He's already flashed his bum on screen as we were as we were chatting <laughs> before you hit the record button. So yeah, I'm here and I've got Patch in the background, and I'm looking forward to talking a lot about him. Yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing a lot about him. So as per usual, I'm going to ask to 
for you to take us back in time to just before you met Patch and talk to us about the, the hows and whys that that meeting happened. Okay, so, wow. So I have, um, before I met Patch, um, we had we had another dog. We had another, Patch is a terrier. He's he's called a Patterdale terrier and he's a mix of Border terrier, um, Parsons Jack Russell, so the ones with the longer legs, regular Jack Russell and uh, Wire Fox terrier. And before Patch came into our world, we had another Patterdale terrier called Daisy, who was really similar to him in, in the breed mix up. Um, and we lost her in April 2018. Um, and I'd had Daisy for like nine years. She was my first first dog of my own. Um, and obviously, you can imagine, I was completely devastated. And after um, after we kind of got over, you know, after we kind of picked ourselves up a little bit from losing Daisy, we knew we always knew we wanted to have another dog. Um, and I think I think this is quite common, isn't it? When you lose one dog, you want to literally get like the carbon copy of them so they look the same and all of those things. And we went round the dog shelters here in the UK, um, like where I live right now in Newcastle and also where my mum is. We couldn't, and we were struggling really. My partner's got two children who were quite young at the time and we wanted a smaller dog. So a terrier size, but we weren't finding any suitable ones. So uh, Tommy found this Facebook group called Patterdale Terrier Rehoming. And he was like, oh, Rachel, you need to come and have a look at this Facebook group because we knew that we, we wanted this particular breed. And I was like, oh, I really wanted to get a dog from a shelter, but and I'll have a look at this Facebook group. Because obviously they need rehoming. So the, a dog, you know, they need a home and that and that's it. So I went on this group, looked around and there was all these all these different posts. Some people were, were trying to find a dog. Some people were trying to rehome a dog. Um, and I was like, okay. So um, the, the admin sent me a message and said, hi, thanks for joining. Do you want to set up a little, you know, put a post up, say um, a little bit about you and what you're looking for. So I did that. Um, and I put this profile up and I said, I'm Rachel. I live here with my partner who's got two young children. We've just lost our dog, Daisy, and we'd love to find another dog. Um, and I hope, you know, really looking forward to being in the group and all that kind of stuff. And then about an hour later, and this was like the day I joined, I got a tag, got a tag notification. And the one of the, ad, the admins were lovely. They sent me a message and they said, um, oh, you know, really great to have you in the group. We'll keep a lookout for you. Um, and, and all this. And I was like, oh, thank you so much. And it was still a really emotional time. Anyway, I got this tag and it said, hi, Rachel, what about Patch? And honestly, I'm getting a bit emotional talking to you about it now because I look, remember looking at this screen and seeing this little face looking out of the screen at me and I was like, <gasps> and my heart skipped a beat. And I was like, oh my gosh, he's so sweet. And I read about him and there was a picture of him. There was a couple of pictures of him, one, one of him with his ball, another one with his, with his brother, his little brother, George. And his, basically what had happened was his owner had died and he was being cared for by her son-in-law um, who had actually had his brother, George, so his little brother, um, Paul, looked after him. That was Paul's dog. And he'd taken Patch in, but they weren't able to have more than one dog. So they were all absolutely devastated. So that's what happened just before I met him. Um, and I was like, oh, my word, this dog, he looks so lovely. And I got Tommy and said, oh, look, what do you think? What do you think about Patch? And he's like, okay, yeah, I think he looks really lovely too. And then I was like, Okay, so then I messaged the guy who was Paul, the guy who was rehoming him, and said, "Oh, you know, this is me, um, and I've, you know, I've seen him in the group, and I just wondered if you, you know, I've done a post here. I just wondered what your thoughts were, and if you think we might be suitable." So that's where it started. 
I'm sorry for going off on one so much. <laughs> so were they far away from you? Yeah, so we live up in Newcastle in the northeast and they live in Manchester, which is about three hours drive away, about 170 miles away. I'm not very good at geography, but anyway, that's that's how far away they were. And they had said in the post that they wanted him to stay in the Manchester area. However, my mum, my mum still, I used to live in Warrington, which is a few miles away. And I go and visit my mum quite a lot as well. Um, So I said, I did say when I messaged, I said, I know you want him to stay in the Manchester area, but I do, I am from um, Lynn, which is a few villages away from basically where he was. Um, and I go home quite a lot. So I can keep in touch and we can, um, you know, if you did want to see him, I can bring him to see you and all these things. And it was basically like, you know, I was just like, oh my gosh, please, please, please consider me. Um, please, you know, this dog looks so so lovely. Just, you know, I just hope you're going to give us a chance. And I was basically like, like it, you know, when you're in a job interview or something, you're so desperate and you're just saying all of these things and you want all the things to be right. And I was like, oh my God, what can I do to demonstrate to this guy that I can give this dog the perfect home? So that was what it was like, really. Um, so then we had a call um, and then, yeah, then I went to meet him. And how was that? Oh my gosh. Well, it was, <laughs> so it, we. I literally had the phone call with Paul and as I say, it was like I was on the job interview and I was like, <gasps> you know, this is me and I've got, you know, we live in this place and we go on all these dog-friendly holidays and I've got a pet blog. So it was quite helpful because I was able to say, look, we've got this, I know it might sound a bit crazy because I'm, you know, a 42-year-old woman or whatever I was at the time. So, but I've got, I love dogs and it's my work and my life and everything. Um, And I've got a pet blog and I can show you um, if you want to have a look at like some of the travel things that I've written about our old dog, Daisy, the kind of things that we enjoy and stuff. And God knows what this guy must have thought. But anyway, I think I demonstrated that, you know, I had to try and give his dog a nice life. So we had the call and I went to see him. Tommy came with me and we went to the house. And it was again, you're like so nervous, aren't you? We went to the house. Tommy came in briefly because he had a work appointment. So we both went in and said hello. And Patch and George were there. And they were like these two boisterous little terriers. They've not even turned two then so they were quite full on and jumping up and down and really excited and stuff and it was like oh they're so sweet and I remember looking at him and just thinking oh he's lovely and I knew that I knew that I felt like it was the right you know he was the right dog for us but at that point you know we, we, we still felt it was we did not we weren't assuming anything um, and we wanted to make sure that his family were happy and all of those things so I went in and had a chat with Paul and sat down with Patch and Patch and George and gave them loads of treats and stuff. And it was really hot. It was really hot summer the year that we got him in the UK, which is rare. Um, and Paul said, do you want to take him out for a walk? Um, there's a canal. I knew the area quite well anyway. So just take him for a little walk down the canal and see how you get on and stuff. And I remember putting him on his lead and taking him out. And he was really confused because George wasn't going. And he was like, oh, you know, who's this woman who's just turned up and is taking me for a walk? And I remember he kept stopping and he was probably just confused and he kept stopping and um, and I tried to take him down the canal and we had a little bit of a potter around, but he kept stopping and just looking really confused. And I remember like saying his name and saying, come on, Patch. And he was just like, didn't even, it was like he didn't recognise, well, he probably didn't recognise my voice. So that's why I wasn't responding. Um, and I was like, oh God, what if he hates me? And it, it was just quite, it was lovely, but it was also like, I just had so much anxiety around the whole thing because I, I just wanted everything to be okay. So, so that was the first meeting and I, you know, went back, had a chat with Paul and I was like, oh, you know, this is what it's been like. He's been, he's been good, but I think he's a bit hot. The weather's a bit hot. And he said, yeah, he's not very great. He's not very, he doesn't really like walking much in the heat, but just wanted you to 
you know, go take him for a walk and see how he got on and stuff. And he was really well behaved and everything. He just didn't really want to walk very far. And then then after that, I went, obviously I went and met up with Tommy and we had a discussion about it. And he said, I remember seeing, we went and met up and we were in like a pub beer garden and we sat down and I said, okay, what do you think? And he said, what do you think? And I went, I really love him and I want him. And he went, I really love him and I want him as well. And I was like, thank God for that. So, um, so yeah. So then it was a case of like me having a chat with Paul and saying, look, I know you've got, I know we're, I know there are some things on your criteria of what you want for patch that we don't match up with. We don't live locally. Um, and, and, you know, there's a few things I said, but we do, um, you know, we would really love to have him if you, if you feel that we'd be right for him. And obviously he sat here, so you know what the answer, but you know what happened there, <laughs> don't you? But yeah, that was the whole experience really. And then I went and visited a few other times. I visited him um, one more time to sit, and that was me on my own, to go and see all the other family members. So the other, so the, his owner had died and were, she had other daughters and um, and they wanted, I guess they wanted to meet me as well because they all loved Patch and they wanted to make sure that where he was going, he was going to be really well looked after and stuff. So I went in the house and there was probably like seven or eight people there and it was really emotional again. Um, but, you know, you just want to go there and, you know, for them to feel reassured that the dog's going to have a nice life, basically. So yeah, pretty intense we interview went to pick process. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, they were, but they were lovely and you just want to, you just want them to know that he's going to be okay, don't you? So then we went to pick him up and we took the kids with us. And again, like the final bit was saying to the, Tommy's kids um so is he okay because we didn't have time we lived so far away we weren't able to bring the kids to see him beforehand and um they were like oh yeah of course he's okay so they were really pleased as well so how was the first car ride home and the then the first week couple of weeks at home oh it was really I felt for him because I felt like oh it must be so overwhelming he's only he was only young he'd only just turned two and it must be like oh he'd already been in a few different homes so his owner had died and then a few people in the family had looked after him and um and he'd had you know quite a lot of upheaval and stuff and I did feel for him so he was he was really good in the car just he loves he's so nosy like he's sat now like by the window he loves looking out the window so he's looking out the window all the way home and then we got back to the heart the flat that we had at the time and we had our old dog Daisy's crate there with um with you know one of her old beds in there and and stuff so like their noses are so strong aren't they and he could obviously smell that another dog had been there and hopefully that was a bit reassuring for him really we had like lots of toys for him and just tried to do tried to kind of be quiet and let him settle in and not overwhelm him by screaming and shouting and being really excited which we all were um but at the same time making him feel making him feel secure and stuff um so yeah and he settled in really well actually um he was he settled in quite quickly um one of the things I worried about when we first got him was I thought he couldn't hear because I'd say his name but he didn't know my voice so he didn't really (laughs) respond then eventually we built on that and built on that um and obviously he knows he knows he's he knows who I am now because I've been there with him for every day now enough for three years so so yeah he settled in really well actually um which was good yeah so do you have a what what sort of like uh, sleeping arrangements does, did he have? And has that changed since you first got him? Well, when we first got him, um, he, when we first got him, he would, he, he used to sleep in his, he used to sleep in a bed in the living room when we first got him. But then he, uh, you know, that, that was the idea. But then <clears throat> he wouldn't, we felt like he had a little bit of anxiety and there was lots going on and stuff. And he'd had, you know, he'd been moved around and everything. So, 
we'd let he would come and sleep in the bedroom and he, basically he sleeps wherever he wants right from the beginning he will he will sometimes he loves his crate mm-hmm. and he will sometimes um he will go and sleep in his crate sometimes but generally he sleeps wherever he wants okay did he uh, ever get up into the bed uh, yes. Yes. <laughs> so here, here, here you can see, uh, I know we're only doing audio, aren't we? But he's, here he is on the bed and he likes to get in the bed. Now, I think it's a terrier thing, and particularly a Patterdale terrier thing, because I'm in a lot of Patterdale groups and stuff. And they always talk about like how they love getting in the bed and snuggling up next to you. And he, so he loves that. Uh, nice. He doesn't do it all the time. And if he's tired, he'll go in his crate or he'll sleep on the sofa. But he does love being on the bed and in the bed. Okay. So... Um, what I'm hearing is no real sort of like initial issues from the move into your place? No, he was really good um, and he did settle in really well. One thing that I did do with him, because when we had the discussions with his old family, they said there were a few things that needed some work, some support with when it came to training. One of them was recall, which is always a work in progress with a terrier. And then the other one was a little bit of impulse control and behaving around other dogs because I'd had our, our old dog, Daisy, I'd had her from her being five and she came from um, Manchester Dogs Home. She'd been astray in, um, and been found on the streets and she um, was very difficult to train. And like back then, I didn't know what I know now. I now have a lot of dog trainer contacts, so I know what can be done. But back then, that was in like 2009, I just thought I couldn't train her. So when we got patched, we'd already be, we'd already had a chat with this old family about things that he needed to do, things that needed to be worked on. So what we did was we found a local trainer, behaviourist called Sue McCabe, who's over here in Newcastle, and she's amazing. She's got terriers, or she's worked with terriers, and she's just incredible. Um, and she helped us a lot. So we, I did, had like a block of one-to-one sessions with her. And the main things that we worked on were, we did crate training because she said it'd be really good for him to have his crate as his go-to place, his quiet place and all that kind of thing. So it's very, we don't, we only, he'll go in his crate if we say go to your crate. We'd only ever close the crate if we had like a, you know, like um, a, a electrician round or somebody, you know, round where we needed him to be in there. He goes in his crate when he wants a bit of downtime and it's good for the kids to know that if he's gone in his crate, you just leave him alone. Yeah. So we did crate training. We also worked on his recall, <clears throat> which is, you know, still a work in progress. Um, we did things around distractions. So if he saw another dog in the park or out walking, he would get really excited and want to go and run over to them. So we did some work around that. And we also did um, a little bit of impulse control, but not very much because we, that again, that, that needs to be worked on. He just gets really excited. But the main things were around him being around other dogs um, and knowing how to behave and not getting too overexcited and recall. So it was good, actually. And I would say to anyone, I do say this quite a bit, actually, who's getting a dog, um, that if whether it's a rescue or a puppy or, or whatever the situation, if you can <clears throat> if you can go and find a local behaviourist or trainer and set yourself up for success right from the beginning, it's so worth um, investing that money, you know, to have that, to have that good start with them. And like, I look at Patch now and I think I feel a bit guilty sometimes about with Daisy that I didn't persevere more, but it was more because I had a really bad experience with a trainer who was really kind of aversive. And I thought all dog trainers were like that. So I just stayed away from it. Now knowing what I know now with Patch, I would definitely recommend people to, people do think about that. 
um, particularly when you're paying so much for a puppy nowadays, mm. like, you know, yes. spend that extra on the training and, you so know, set them up. You mentioned um, going outside to the, the park. What are the local walks around your place like? What sort of, what sort oh, of environment is it? We're really lucky. So we live, we literally live like about an hour, a mile and a half away from the city centre. But you would think that you lived right out in the country. So we've got something here called the Town Moor. And it's basically this huge expanse of green space where there's some kind of really old law where cows are allowed to graze there whenever they want. So you can see like the Newcastle United football stadium when you're on there, but then in the distance and all the city centre, but then you've got this huge green space full of cows. It's mad. Nice. Um, so we've got that. Then we've got the Northumberland coast, which is brilliant, like gorgeous beaches, gorgeous coastline, uh, coastline even. We've also got a really nice park called Jasmine Dean and loads of really lovely walks and forests and lots of green space where we are. So considering we're in a city, you wouldn't think that we were when you can, you know, when you see the kind of places that we've got nearby. So we're really lucky. It's a brilliant part of the world to live in. Okay, and has Patch got a what you would think a, a favoured walk? Now, <laughs> let me have a think about this. <clears throat> so we don't we do sometimes take them on like freestyle walks where we just kind of decide where to go. This probably isn't great. Like any dog trainers listening are probably like, oh, you shouldn't do that really. But anyway, he just does whatever he wants, as you can probably guess. So he likes going to the t- he does like the town more. Um, that's one of his favourites. So that's where all the cows are sometimes, but at the moment they're not there. Um, there's another really nice walk called Jasmine Dean, which is near where we near where we live. Um, and yeah, lots of different parks really. And he loves the beach as well. Okay. So there's a few places. I guess the nearest one to where we where where we are, as in from our front door, would be to the town mall, which is like the really lovely green space. And how is he with the cows? <clears throat> well, he. I can't really tell. I'd love actually. I probably should get the behaviourist to have a look at how he behaves around the cows, so they can they know, don't they? Like I think Patch is barking at the cows because he doesn't like them or because he's just overexcited. But they probably know a lot more than me. But yeah, he will. I don't let him get too close to the cows because it's a bit scary, isn't it? So he will. He will. If he gets too close, he will bark and be a bit reactive. Um, but generally, you know, make sure we keep a distance from him from them. Okay. Ah, oh, nice. And on the beach, does he is he more of a stay on the beach dog, or is he more of a in the water dog? Well, we so he loves the beach, and he just goes like I think there's something. I remember Daisy would be the same. Like when you're walking down to the beach, they just kind of put the noses in the air and then start getting really excited. But like, he's the same, <laughs> and like so he loves having his ball on the beach. He loves running around on the beach, and he does just I think it is the sea air. It just makes them go a little bit crazy. So he will go in the water, but he doesn't go. He, do, he won't go in that deep. He mm-hmm. he can swim, but I don't think he likes swimming in the sea. So he'll go in and get his legs wet and go and have a bit of a paddle, but he won't. He wouldn't go and swim in the sea. However, when we've been in the Lake District, which we've got the beautiful Lake District, not too far from where we are, we went there for a holiday earlier this summer, and he went in the lakes and he swam in the lakes and he really loved it. So. Um, but no, he does love the beach. So he'll he'll he's mostly on the sand, but he will go and get his paws wet. Mm-hmm. Do you take him on all holidays or most holidays? Uh, yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we go on unless we're getting on a plane. Then the holiday is basically his holiday, um, and we're even we're even fingers crossed. We're hoping to 
have a holiday cottage at some point and have like basically get our own place to go to but yeah most of all of our holidays are kind of dog friendly apart from if we're going abroad um and we always you know we always kind of choosing places that he likes there's a few places that we go to over and over again so we where we live um, we're not too far from the yorkshire coast as well and we go to this gorgeous little place called robin hood's bay and it's this really um really traditional oldie worldy fishing village and it's gorgeous like tiny little cottages like old fishermen's cottages and it's a really nice beach there, loads of great walks. Um, and it's near Whitby, um, which is like this really historic city um, in Yorkshire. Um, so like loads of history, loads of heritage um, and yeah, just loads of dogs as well. Everywhere's dog friendly. Nice. So we go there loads and we go to the Lake District a lot as well. Um, so yeah, we've got some really nice places that we can go to like fairly, fairly nearby. So, yeah, we are pretty sport for choice, really, and he's always a big part of our holidays. Oh, as they should be. <laughs> Absolutely. <Yeah. laughs> what would be one of the more interesting adventures that he has accompanied you on? Okay, let me have a think. So we go, we do go on a lot. We do go, I get, oh, my gosh, right, I've got to tell you about this. I think probably the most interesting adventure Patch has been on this year, and I can't, I don't know if I should tell you this, but I'm just going to tell you anyway because I've started, so I might as well, <laughs> is we went to the Lake District for, um, went to the Lake District on holiday twice this year, um, and we, we like he's he's a really young, like he's a five-year-old terrier, he's really fit and healthy, and he loves, you know, he's full of energy and stuff, and he loves adventures. Anyway, we decided to go up this mountain. We, we've been to, we've been to, um, We've been to one part of the lake district and we'd had a really big walk there up a big mountain. Um, and then, um, so it was up basically up this mountain called Coniston. Loads of different mountains and peaks in the lake district. So we wanted to go and do another one. Anyway, there's this mountain in the lake district called Helvellyn and it's quite high. It's like one of the biggest in the lakes. I couldn't tell you the exact dimensions, but it's pretty big. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were a few routes around it. So I knew that a few of my friends had been up this mountain called Helvellyn. And they'd say, you know, I knew it was quite challenging, but I was like, well, I've been, I've been, you know, working on my own fitness and doing my Joe Wicks videos and stuff beforehand. We'll be okay. Um, <clears throat> and there's a few ways around it. One of them is called Striding Edge. And then one of them is like all these different routes. So I went on, Tommy, my boyfriend said, should we do Striding Edge? And I was like, okay, I want a challenge. Um, and, you know, you know, why not? And when we go, when we go up a big hill with Patch, I've got, um, we do Canicross. So I've got like Canicross harnesses and leads and bungee leads and a belt that you put around yourself. So they're really good actually, because you can put all of your poo bags in, your phone, all the stuff that you need, a portable water bottle, nice. you can attach it all to you. And you can walk hands-free and you know that they're safe. So I had all my Canicross gear on and we've got a rucksack and we've got Patch on his special harness. We know he's all right. Anyway, it turned out that Striding Edge was was not very dog friendly and it was bloody terrifying like there was one point where we you literally kind of scrambling um and then there was this one bit where there was a drop and there was other people there but there were we we did see a couple of other people with dogs but not many um and there was this one point where we had to kind of go down this quite big drop and I the people in front of us there were some young girls in front of us and they started panicking a bit and then I started panicking and it was like oh my god how are we going to get this dog down this this big drop we had to like pass him down to this other walker and while we negotiated our way down this this drop and it was a bit scary 
I would say that is my most memorable adventure. <laughs> and when we got to the end, I, Patch was fine. Like he was, there was at one point when we were on this drop where he was looking a little bit like, oh, mom, what am I doing here? Um, but we got to the end and he was still raring to go. And we had a drink in the pub at the bottom of, there's a pub called the Traveller's Rest or something. We had a drink in there and it was like one of the best drinks I've ever had because we tackled this massive, massive challenge so yeah i think that's our biggest adventure so far um, and he's still here we're <laughs> yeah. all still here thank god so you just mentioned that that, that was a, a very uh, one of the more scary times has there yeah. has there been another time where you've had a, you know, a big sort of scare where he scared you no no I, I think it wasn't that was more us i think that was more a case of we I wasn't quite sure what what was ahead, mm-hmm. and also because you you've gone up this big peak, you can't go back because it's harder to go back than it is to carry on. So that was uh, that was scary, but that wasn't patch scaring me. That was more me no, being the, the, the me putting myself the in a situation. Yeah. Probably shouldn't have been in, but anyway, I guess the only other time that I've been a bit scared was when we first got him and we let him. Oh gosh, I can't believe we did this, but we let him off lead in this quite in a, in a forest and we, he went missing for about 15 minutes and you can imagine what we were like. I mean, he was just, cha- he was just chasing, chasing things, scents and it was a forest and what I was thinking, I don't know. But I just remember me and Tommy both running around trying to find him and I could, I, I could hear my heart thumping. I was, I was like, I was crying because I was thinking, how on earth am I going to explain to Paul, the bloke who we'd, we've adopted him from, that we've had him for a few weeks and we've lost him and you know what it's like when they go and you, you've got all these thoughts going through your head. So I think that was my other scary experience. Every minute seems like an hour. Yeah. It felt like forever, honestly. It probably was about 15 minutes, but it felt like about three weeks. It was just <laughs> awful. But anyway, he came back, thank God. Um, yeah. And you learn, don't you? Let me guess, with a big smile saying, wow, that was fun. <laughs> he was just, Tommy found him and he was just kind of barking at something. Oh, okay. He'd obviously yeah. got the scent of something and he never barks either. So it was mm-hmm. like, oh God, what have we done? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's all right. I mean, where does he usually travel in the car? Has he got a spot in the car that's his? Yeah, so so we have like a special car crate for him and we've also got like seat belts for him as well. So um, one of the other things that I do in my business is I help pet businesses get get publicity and help them raise the profile so one of my clients is a lady called Claire Harris and she's a pet travel safety campaigner so she's all about making sure that you know pets are safe in the car and we regularly talk about all of the research that she's found about you know what happens if you're in a car and you crash and your dog's loose I'm slightly obsessed about him being safe in the car so he's either got a seat he's either in the back with the seatbelt on like a crash tested seatbelt and harness or he's in a crate um, where he's safe in his crate, and he, he he's fine actually. He's, he's good at tra- he's good travelling. Um, if we do if we do big journeys, then we'll obviously take him out for a little walk and stuff. But he's pretty good in the car. He does love looking out the window, but I think um, sometimes he, I just feel safer with him in his crate. So, mm-hmm. um, sorry about some uh, like favourite toys and things. Has he has he had something that he's kept for a while? Oh, okay. So his favourite his favourite thing. <laughs> His favourite, um, so his favourite ball is a chucket ball. So I don't know if you've got chucket over in Australia, yes, but yeah, they're really, yep. oh, they're brilliant. I don't know what they put in their toys, but I remember Daisy loving them as well. And I think there's a, some kind of smell in them that they just love and they're brightly coloured so they don't get lost. So he loves his chucket balls. The other thing that he's got is this, um, he's got this thing called a challenger cube and it's like a felt cube with l- little um, sections in. 
and you can put treats in the di- in the different sections. And the idea is that he can, you know, like dig out the treats. So he loves that. Nice, yeah. Um, another thing that he's got, which is what we got when we were doing his training, his recall training, is this thing that people think is really disgusting, particularly vegans. And it's basically a, it's like a tub toy, but it's got like the end of it. So it's like a red line. Um, it's like a kind of, it's like basically like a red lead, but at the end of it, it's like made of rabbit fur. <laughs> and it is disgusting. But when you're trying to recall train a terrier, these are the kind of things that you need to have with you. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, they, they love it and you can get them to chase it and it's a game and it's it's just, you know, it's going with all of their kind of natural instincts. So they would say, I would say they are his three favourite toys. But a couple of weeks ago, um, I did, I think you might have seen it actually on LinkedIn. I did, or I say I did this. We were ha- we've moved house recently and my partner Tommy was clearing out the garage and we've got all of these We've got like a big unit with all of Patch's stuff in. Anyway, he emptied every, he emptied all of these different things out, put them all on the kitchen table, and it, the kitchen table was full of Patch's stuff, basically. So he has got loads of different stuff, but the main thing he loves is a football, a tennis, or a chuck it ball, um, <clears throat> his challenger cube, and chasing around the rabbit thing. Nice. So you mentioned the the tug toy. Uh, do I go and say that he likes playing tug as one of yes. his more favourite? games yeah yeah and swinging around swinging around on his tug toy yeah <laughs> he likes all kind of, the other thing he likes as well is like so tommy's daughters are they're 10 and 14 now so we but they've we've had him since had him for three years so they were like seven and 11 when they got him so one of the, the other things he likes is just kind of like sniffing games and hide and seek and mm-hmm. enrichment games and that kind of thing so oh, we'll do excellent Particularly when we were in lockdown and we couldn't go anywhere, we we do um, you know hide and seek games where we just put hide. He'd he'd we'd one of us would keep him in one room, and then we would just go around the house and hide bits of treats and cheese and that kind of thing, so we could go and sniff it out. So just simple things really for them. That's just they're just happy, aren't they? I love it. Yeah, we do it as something as simple as that, and then you say it to people, but so many people don't do that and yeah. so and it gives them so much fun and enjoyment and it's you can do it inside outside and it's it's great for them <laughs> yeah yeah the other thing we did in lockdown is we used to make like um like agility courses out in the garden so we got like a tunnel thing off amazon and we've got some cones and then i've got like a step that you know they used to do step aerobics on in like the 1980s so we'd use that and we'd get various other bits and bobs out of the garage and make like little jumps for him and stuff like that so he could just kind of go around that and he, he, he loves learning and just loves kind of just loves people playing and, and being engaged with him really. Yeah, love it. So did you notice much change when you moved into your new where you, the house you are now? Well, he's moved this is his third move that he's had with us. So um and I'm really lucky, as I say, I, I work with a lot of dog trainers and pet professionals. So when we moved the second time, I did an interview with a behaviourist, not the one that we used, but another lady who, who who's in my kind of network called Helen. And she gave me loads of advice about how to settle him in. And he was like, to be honest, he's all right. He's like, he's now we've had, we've, he's been with us longer than he, you know, he's been with us for three years now and he's five. So he spent most of his life with us now. And I think as long as we're here with him, he's all right. Um, we don't leave, hardly ever leave him on his own. It's very, very rare. When we were kind of in between move, in between moving, he would be, you know, like when we were moving all of our stuff and painting and that kind of thing. Sometimes he'd come with us, so we could just kind of be gradually introduced to the new house. 
So yeah, he, he, he has adapted really well actually to the move. And he, we've moved just up the road from where we were. So the actual area is all the same. Okay, it's yep. just so a different house. With it. Yep, nice. Yeah. Um, would you say he has any sort of uh, peculiar habits? Oh, let me have a think. <clears throat> he doesn't really have any any funny habits. He just does this thing where he, ba- he doesn't really bark very much, but he'll, he does like this kind of woo-wooing where he kind of makes like a kind of woo-woo-woo noise. And that, I think, is his most peculiar thing. And he doesn't kind of do it at any... He, I couldn't say like, oh, he does it every time someone comes to the door or he does it, you know, when this happens. I guess he just kind of does it when he's excited and stuff. Okay, but he's yeah. really he's and he's just like lay here, hasn't he? While we've been yeah. chatting, he's not not even moved. He's a really good little dog. Um, but yeah, the only other peculiar thing he does is he really doesn't like huskies. <clears throat> and I was talking to somebody else about this because they were asking. I was doing a Q and A with somebody, and they said, "Oh, you know what? Does he not like?" And one of the things was huskies. And I'm not quite sure why it is. He's a bit. It's just a bit strange with that breed. Okay. Does he have any close doggy friends? Well, he's got so I've got loads of friends who've got dogs, but they're kind of scattered all scattered all over the place. But his favourite dog at the moment is this dog called Spencer, who is a big black Labrador, and he lives on this kind of street parallel to where we are. And quite often he'll walk like his his owner basically lets him walk off lead as you know, walking around the streets. He's quite well trained, he won't just go and run in the road and stuff. So sometimes he'll see Spencer walk past out the window and then he'll be going absolutely crazy. So I'll just grab him and go and try and follow Spencer wherever he's going. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's his, he's his favourite dog at the moment, like his favourite buddy. And if I, I know this might make me sound a bit stalkerish on Spencer and his owner, but I know that he goes to the field at seven o'clock in the morning every morning. <laughs> so if I can, I will get to the field for seven o'clock, depending on what I've got going on. But he, he loves Spencer and he will go, he just like once I was on the field with him and I'd not seen Spencer go around the corner with his owner and he must have been walking away just as we got to the field. Anyway, he obviously saw him, probably smelt him as well and just shot off. And went thankfully it was early, so there wasn't any traffic on the road, but he just went running off after him. And then I know the same thing has happened when Tommy's been out walking patch and then Spencer's seen him and he will literally like just come over and like send you flying. So that's his favourite dog. Um, his kind of favourite friend, and they just run around being crazy together. Okay. So you sort of had much interaction with any other animal species? Not really, no. He's so he's a he's a he's an only dog. Um he's not a massive fan of cats. Um <laughs> so they'll kind of come to the garden and then run away. And then the other thing that we've got at the moment, I've not seen him for a while actually, he's got a little wild rabbit that keeps coming in our garden. Mm-hmm. And where we live, I know you can't really see, but actually, yeah, you can see out the window, can't you? So we're in kind of square of semi-detached houses and all the gardens back onto each other. And I was I was um making some breakfast one day and I saw Patch looking out the window. I saw this little and he was getting really excited and saw this little rabbit, this little baby rabbit in the garden. So we know when the rabbit's been in the garden because there's obviously rabbit poo there and and he will go out and he'll like be running around trying to find the rabbit. We know, But we also know that the rabbit is safe because this, this little rabbit can get under the fences and he's always going in and out of all the different gardens. Um, so, yeah, that's his kind of interaction with other animals. He's not also a little bit funny with horses as well. He will go and if we see a horse in the distance, he's straight back on his lead because he will go and try and chase them and... I don't think that would be uh, that. That would be very good. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to ask you to complete the sentence. 
I can't believe my dog ate. Oh, okay. <laughs> this isn't going to surprise you, but it's cow poo. Cow poo. Okay. Yep. So when the when we go on the town moor, um, yeah, if there's a fresh cow pat, he will try and eat it. So luckily, he's on his lead. If he's on the town moor and the cows are there, because I don't want him chasing them, but. He has nibbled on a cow pat before, and I'm like, oh, my God, that's disgusting. And I asked, I've got a vet contact who who said, and I asked him about um, why dogs eat cow pats. And he said, he said, you know, obviously there's like, you know, all the nice green grassy stuff in there. But he said, but also you've got to be really careful because if if the cows have got any kind of illnesses and conditions and it can go, it can be passed on to your dog. So you do need to be careful. So uh, we will. I do keep them away from the cow poo, but our old dog Daisy. She used to be. She used to be the same. She used to eat sheep poo. Um, so yeah, they just. Uh, to be honest, he's really good. He doesn't normally do. He doesn't eat. He's not like our old Terry. She used to love rolling in poo and all kinds of horrible things. He's actually really good. He doesn't really scavenge. Um, but yeah, the cow poo thing. I'd say that's the only bad thing that he does when he when it comes to eating horrible things. Okay. So you mentioned the vet. How's his overall health been? And there, has there been any sort of issues that you've had to go to the vet for? Um, he's always been really, really good. Um, but it was really strange because at the beginning of lockdown, he started having eerie... I don't, know why, I don't know why I say at the beginning of lockdown, but that's just the time when it happened. Um, he started having ear infections and he had a recurring ear infection. And then he had an eye infection and he also had a, a bit of a skin infection. And we went to the vets and had various different allergy tests and it was quite stressful because we couldn't go in with him. And he's not a massive fan of the vets. So um, and he was having all these different tests. And then we, they, it was, it's weird because like they come back with what, they come back with various things that he, he might be, you know, might be reacting to. And there wasn't really anything coming up. So they figured out it must be something dietary. So he went on this, on this diet basically, which is, some kind of I can't remember what it's called. It's basically like a royal canin allergy diet, and it looks like <clears throat> it just looks like some kind of pate. And he really, he really enjoyed his food before. And when we put him on this diet, he wasn't really very happy. But we had to to eliminate what what was making him poorly. And it turned out that he, it was chicken and like poultry. Okay. So we've now he's now back on regular dog food and you know tasty stuff, but he just can't have anything poultry related. Mm-hmm. But other than that, he's been touch wood. He's been he's good. He's he's healthy and stuff. So that's been the only bump in the road really. But we did get to the bottom of it in the end. Nice. If I asked you uh, to say one of the most funniest moments you can think of, does anything pop into your head? Oh, funny things that Patch has done. He must have done loads of funny things and now my mind has gone completely blank. Oh, that's all right. Oh, I'll tell you what he he does. I'll tell you one of the funniest things he did. And this is going back to, going back back to I can't believe what my dog ate. You see, we were in the pub and it was just after lockdown had finished and we'd go to this and the pubs were open again. We go to this pub um, down the road from us called the Brandling Villa. And I know I'm saying this like you might come and visit and you're in Australia, but anyway. Yeah, one day. If you're in England, <laughs> who's in Newcastle, you need to go to the Brandling Villa. It's this really good pub and um, and they do like a dog menu. So they do like doggy meals and stuff and it's really great. Anyway, not been in there for ages and he loves this pub. And whenever he goes in there, he knows his friends are going to be in there and all that. And he gets dead excited. And this pub is so dog friendly. Instead of having like table numbers, they'll say like, you know, I'm on Patch table or I'm on Barney's table and there'll be a photo of a dog and the table will be called oh, no, the dog's it. name. 
Hey. Anyway, it's really good. So he goes in the pub and he's dead excited and he's doing his woo-wooing. Um, <laughs> so he's like announcing to the whole pub that he's there. And then Tommy came, Tommy, <laughs> Tommy came back from the bar with our drinks and I had like half a cider. He had some lager and the kids had like soft drinks. And the next minute, and this is really unusual for Patch, but he jumped up on the table, started drinking out of my glasses. <laughs> so that was quite funny. I've forgotten about that. So thank you for reminding me. Oh, but I think he was right. just like celebrating being back in the pub. At the pub, yeah. So I can have a drink. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, nice. Um, what about one of the most proudest moments? Okay. Well, um, I think one of, so one of the most proud moments, I think, has been something that's happened quite recently. So my partner told me his dad's really poorly. He's got Parkinson's and he's it's end of life care. So it's, it's really, um, it's a difficult time. And Patch has been so brilliant with him. Um, so he's not like a therapy dog or anything like that. And he's normally like really lively and, and, you know, he's got, he's a quite full on. Um, but with Tommy's dad, he's, he's, I was on holiday a few weeks ago and Tommy left, had his mum and dad look after Patch for us for a few days when he was working and one of the things he did was he went and looked after Baxter and he would just go and sit on his bed with him or lie next to him and just be calm and really just really well behaved and like there's some photos that Tommy shared with me of him with his dad and it was just like that made me feel really proud so I thought that was really lovely because they know how to behave don't they know how to be with people when they're not well and what people need Um, and I guess that's when it really hit home that you know they are intuitive and yeah, I was really proud of him. He's just a lovely boy, bless him. So that, work, I guess, is my prou- one of my proudest moments. Yeah, it's really, really nice. No, they, they certainly are intuitive. There's so much that they can read and particularly they can sniff about uh, people's body chemistry and they just they can sense a lot of things from that, I think. Yeah, definitely. So anything else sort of coming to mind that you'd like to share about Patch? Um. I th- so the when I was when I was thinking about what to chat about um, when um, like when I was preparing before before we hit record, I was thinking about just thinking about I guess you know our dogs don't sadly don't have long lives today. If we could let let them live forever, that would be amazing. But I think one of the things that I've, I've one of the things that I love about having a dog and with with him as well is I guess just making their life as full as you can really and giving them different experiences and different trying different things with them and taking them to different places and activities and adventures. And I think there's never been a better time really has there to be a dog owner and whatever your kind of age or ability or lifestyle, there's something out there that your dog, you and your dog can really enjoy. And the same goes for your dog as well, whatever their age, ability and lifestyle, there's something out there that they can try and really enjoy. So like we've been really lucky because because I have the blog and because I work as a journalist and I write about the pet industry. Over the years, I've tried like so many different activities with Patch and Daisy as well, from going to see a personal shopper for them to doing parkour to doing things like canine hoopers. I've done dog pilates, uh, dog yoga, all kinds of things. Um, and I just think, you know, that's part of being, you know, one of the great things about having a dog, isn't it? And, and enjoying life with them and, finding things that they really like and making them happy. Mm. So you just mentioned a, a couple of things. So you did dog yoga and that was obviously with Patch? That was, yeah, that was that was kind of online, but yeah, that was oh, with Patch. Okay. And I did Pilates, I did I did a Pilates session that was face-to-face. That was really good. 
Okay. Um, and a lot of the stuff that we did with that, I was able to bring home and do at home. And that's what we do when we do his little um, little kind of adventure agility courses. We do stuff that we did at the dog Pilates. Because I know you mentioned earlier you had some canny gear. So you've done some like canny hiking and events with Patch as well or? Yeah, I've not done any events with... Oh, actually, no, that's a lie. I did the Muddy Dog Challenge, which is... Um, the Muddy Dog Challenge is a charity event by Battersea Dogs Home, which is a big um, animal animal charity here in the UK. And it's basically where you go and... It's like a like a tough mudder with your dog, but it's not that long. It's only like five kilometres. It's like an assault course and a run that you do with your dog. Oh, so nice. I did that with him. A couple, I did that with him the first year that we had him. So we're coming up for three years ago. And then I do canny cross with him. I say I do it like I don't compete or anything like that. I literally just plod along behind him and he loves it. He loves being around other dogs and he loves running. So when he gets there, he goes, he's just so excited. So I did it last night, actually. Um, and I'm a little bit achy today. But yeah, the can of cross I really enjoy and it's um, something he really loves as well. Oh, it's a, a, another underrated area of what I think personally is just getting them going out, having a run and they get yeah. to run with you, it's like best friends just going out and enjoying more than more than walking. Yeah. Yeah, we go out on our own canny crossing and then we go out with a group as well, like a really friendly group up here. So that's really good. He loves it. Ah, excellent. Excellent. Do you want to uh, let people know where to find you for, and what you do for your business? Yeah, sure. No, that'd be brilliant. Thank you. So um, the best place to find me is um, on social media. So I'm at Rachel Spencer UK on all platforms. Um, I also have a pet blog, which I'll mention here. And it's a little bit neglected, but I do want to get it going again. But you can read loads of, if you want to find out about any of the activities that I've talked about, actually. I will have written about them all on my pet blog. So that is called... That is called www.thepawpost, as in P-A-W... Um, post.co.uk um, I am hoping to start blogging regularly again um, as um, as we go into the next year really I've had to take a bit of time out because I've been really busy with my other business um, but yeah there I've talk, I talk all about the adventures that we do I've even got his training diaries on there actually where I talk about the different training that we did um, and I'm hoping to I basically use the blog to kind of shine a light on interesting things that are going on and also on people are doing really great things um, with our pets as well so go and have check me out there i think it's probably the best best place for people to go to and find out more about patch excellent rachel it's been a absolute pleasure chatting with you and hearing all about patch really enjoyed it oh thank you so much too it's been lovely talking about him we could never talk too much about our dogs can we so thanks so much for having me on the show robert no absolute pleasure i'll look forward to catching up a bit later take care Oh, thank you. Bye. Thank you very much for listening. I hope that you enjoy the show. Thank you to our new listeners in Gunzenhausen in Germany and Mountain View in the US. And if you'd like to contact me here at the show, probably the easiest way to do it is via the Facebook group. Until next week, stay safe and remember, your dog is family.